This week on Jingle Jank, Jay and I go on an upbeat exploration of sad, depressing Christmas songs. The philosopher Aristotle believed tragic theater was a way for the audience to rid themselves of negative emotions. Is this why sad Christmas songs are so popular? Grab a box of tissues and join us to find out as we discuss sad Christmas songs. Welcome to Jingle Jank, the show where we find offbeat and obscure Christmas music on YouTube. I am your host, Scott, joined by my favorite Christmas music archaeologist, Jay. How you doing, Jay? Scott, I'm doing great. We got a uh, sad lineup on tap this week, though. Yeah, full disclosure, I'm not into this. This was your choice. I'm going to blame this. I'm going to put it on your shoulders this week. Yeah, yeah. This is one where there's a couple of great Christmas songs that are really sad songs. My wife and I have this battle every season over, you know, Same Old Lang Syne by Dan Fulgerberg. Not uh, on our lineup this week, but a classic uh, mainstream sad Christmas song. And she loves it. And it's got a fond memory for her. I feel like it's kind of, uh, you know, just really emotionally and dark and not what you think of for Christmas. No, when I think of Christmas music, I think of joyous, upbeat, happy smiling. Those are the emotions that I think of. So sad Christmas songs don't do it for me. Yeah. But we're going to be very objective this week. These songs don't resonate with us, but this whole genre is very popular for whatever reason. And we'll get into it shortly about why we think that is. And maybe as we explore this together, we'll come to a better understanding. Yeah, definitely worth taking a look at this. People like it for some reason. It could be, you know, there's, there's, um, you know, maybe because Christmas is a time where people are looking for, you know, some sort of companionship or fellowship. And, you know, they say misery loves company and, you know, there's, you know, people can unite around sad songs, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, before we get into things, today's episode is brought to you by the Redbox Kiosk on Martin Luther King Boulevard. Why stream a movie online when you can drive to a parking lot, touch a crusty screen during a pandemic, deal with limited selection, and then have to drive back tomorrow to return it? Redbox, the movie service for people stuck in 2013. <laughs> All right, Jay, so we have some housekeeping notes here. Please. Believe it or not, we're actually getting uh, fans, followers, and some popularity here. Okay. This has exceeded all expectations you and I had. Yeah. I'm beginning to introduce myself as big in Christmas podcasting. I like that. Okay. So remember last week when I ran my mouth about how there were no covers of our Santa in outer space songs? Yeah. Well, I was wrong. And this is a surprise to no one. Adam from the Merry Britsmas podcast sent us a cover of Outer Space Santa by a Swedish singer named Nina Knert, and I brought a quick little clip of it. Outer space Santa, shining up the stars. Outer space helpers, packing them in jars. Milky Way workshop. This is like back when quaaludes were big. Yeah, thank you, Adam, for reminding me why I don't like Swedish music. Yeah. <laughs> Good furniture, great meatballs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't go to Ikea uh, hoping to hear great music over the PA system. Yeah, most of, I would say almost 100% of my podcast setup is brought to you by Ikea. Yeah, exactly. Just not the music. <laughs> yeah. Also, super fan Melinda B, who has been awesome for our whole journey so far. She emails us frequently and, and gives us notes and says very kind things. So thank you, Melinda. She sent us... A quick note 
Last week, when we were covering Outer Space Santa, it was featuring Janet, Brian, Cubby, and the Lennon sisters. Right. We didn't know who Brian was, and I speculated it was Brian Wilson. Yeah. Again, I was wrong. No surprise to anybody. She sent us the note that it was a guy named Brian Siebman. And I don't have a clip of anything because he was only a Lawrence Welk. Like Stan, like a like a session yeah, musician kind of guy. Yeah, he was a musician on the Lawrence Welk show for about two years. Didn't do anything popular after that. And it looked like he died very young. <laughs> so thank you, Melinda B., for sending that in. I really appreciate it. Yeah. We also, we got a really nice note from listener John B., no relation to Melinda B., and he said he was a new listener, really liked it, uh, told us to keep it up, and he is officially the first fan to recognize that we put fake commercials in. <laughs> so thank you, John, for getting it. I really appreciate that. I wondered if it was going over people's heads, and it's obviously not. So thank you for that. Right on. There's one more note that I got, and we'll leave this one from an anonymous person. It was noted that we do not say Merry Christmas at the end of our episodes, even though we're a Christmas podcast. And I just think that's a huge oversight. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that is a forehead slapper. How could we not do that? So uh, I've put a note at the end of our show notes here to make sure that we say Merry Christmas. So let's see if we blow it today. Yeah. First of all, thank you. Great. I love all the shout outs and the feedback and uh, fare thee well to Brian Seedman and uh, love, love the um, shout out and that you got the commercial Sloop John B. Appreciate the, uh, the feedback. And I got to tell you, you know, doing this show really makes you look at the holiday and Christmas differently. I'll, I'll tell you very quickly, last weekend, took a ride out to the desert to get a change of scenery here in Southern California and, and uh, got off the highway in some middle of the no, nowhere, hard scrabble, little desert town. And there was a uh, a, a very dead Christmas tree in somebody's yard still with the decorations I suspect from not definitely not from this season and I thought to myself if this is what your front yard looks like then I have a podcast for you <laughs> these are our people <laughs> it's too bad you didn't go into that person's yard and take a photo although that that's probably not the smartest idea Yeah, this was not the kind of place it. you get out of your car with a camera people <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> the Venn diagram of people with dead trees in their yards and people who own firearms are probably quite overlapping. For our listeners, this was bat cut country somewhere out between uh, Los Angeles and Palm Springs. So not, not safe. <laughs> oh, not, not unsafe. All right. Shout out to dead Christmas tree guy. Thank you for, for uplifting us. Yeah, we are your people. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the theme of today. As we mentioned, it's sad, depressing Christmas songs. We both said this is not our preferred genre. This is not what we would be listening to on our own, but it is popular. There are so many songs. In fact, we have 10 songs today. Normally, we call our extra songs above and beyond five bonus tracks, but I don't think you can call a depressing Christmas song a bonus. So I looked up what the antonym of bonus is. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. The best one I got is penalty. So we have uh, <laughs> five regular songs and five penalty songs. Nice. Today. <laughs> Let's address the elephant in the room when it comes to sad, depressing Christmas songs, though. We are not going to cover Christmas shoes. Okay. Everybody already knows that is one of the worst songs of all time. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gun to the head gesture there. It, it's horrible. But everybody knows that. Picking yeah. on Christmas shoes is like shooting fish in a barrel. So, no, we're not going to cover that. Jay, I also reached out to our network and asked for recommendations about bummer Christmas songs. Right. 
And the Hark podcast sent us Faith in Santa Claus. And it is absolutely one of the worst songs I have ever seen in my life. I'm not even going to play a clip because it deals with a homeless kid dying on Santa's lap. Nope, we are not doing that. Yes, we're covering sad, depressing Christmas songs, but there is a a level of depression that I'm not going to cross today. What was the name of it? It's called Faith in Santa Claus. And what? I guess not. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. If you want to go look it up and get really bummed out, be my guest. We're not going to do that one. We're also not going to do the one that your wife had sent, Dear Mr. Jesus, about the kid getting physically abused on Christmas. Like there's, there's a line that we're not going to cross today and I don't really know what to call it. It's not really a happy, sad song, but I don't really want to cover songs that deal with uh, death or kids being abused or anything like that. So we're going to try to keep it a little lighter. I mean, we've got 10 songs. If we listen to 10 completely bummer songs, Nobody's going to make it through the episode. Yeah, although I can see that. Like, I would love to do the music video for that Faith in Santa Claus where the kid, like, goes to Santa Claus because he's got faith in Santa Claus and he's dying and he gets there and he dies anyway. And the kid's like, ah, but I had faith in Santa Claus. And Santa Claus is like, kid, I'm a guy in a suit who hands out toys. I'm not a doctor. Why did you have that kind of faith in me? That's how I would shoot that. Yeah, that's not exactly how it goes. It's a lot sadder okay. than that. But uh, let's just, we'll just leave it there. Before we started recording, Jay, we, we we were talking about our feelings about this genre and why people like these sad songs. You had some thoughts on that. I think people find companionship and fellowship and sadness, you know, sadness brings people together. There's the saying misery loves company, which is kind of obviously negative, but I think especially around this time of year, people are reflective and not everybody's memories are good memories. You know, we, you and I, I think choose to focus on the positive you know, there's, there's plenty of time a year that I'm, I'm dwelling on everything that's negative. I try to look at Christmas and let's be, let's focus on what there's to be, but some people want to look back and kind of drown in their sorrows. And that's why this genre of music exists. Not, not for me, man. Do you think it's going to be less popular this year, given the state of the world and the difficulty everybody's going through? Like we've already got enough depressing sadness going on around us. I think it will be. And, and to be nerdy for a minute, I think if you look back in history, if you look at art during times of great adversity in history and you look at how art helps people deal and process with what's going on, I think it'll definitely be reflected. That's for sure. I mean, what it's going to look like, I don't know yet, but it, I think you're already seeing that happen. So for sure, I think you're going to see that. In the intro, I mentioned the quote by Aristotle, and I reached out to our network and asked if anybody had an opinion on why sad songs are popular. The most common answer I got was catharsis. Yeah. You know, it's like you're just getting it all out. And it's the I guess it's kind of that expression, like having a good cry, you know, just makes you feel a little better. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's not a Christmas song, but I go to uh, Sir Elton John himself who wrote a song, you know, uh, or or at least co-wrote a song called Sad, Sad Songs. And the first line is, guess there are times when we all need to share a little pain. You know, that's, uh, that's basically it. Okay. Well, I think we should get into the music here. Now, some of these songs are a little more fun than others. They all stick in that genre of really themes that are sad and depressing, but not all the music is morose and down. No. So I think we have a good variety today. No, and true to form, man, I got a, I got a couple of at least one, if not two definite additions to my rotation that I had not heard and will add this year. All right. Let's start off with Please Daddy, Don't Get Drunk This Christmas by John Denver. Please, Daddy, don't get drunk this Christmas. 
Last year when I was only seven Now I'm almost eight As you can see You came home a quarter past eleven And fell down underneath our Christmas tree All right, Jay, that was Please, Daddy, Don't Get Drunk This Christmas by the late John Denver. Initial thoughts? Yeah, really depressing song, but also, you know, I kind of laughed at this because I can remember some drunk mom and dad Christmases growing up from my, in my house, you know, so I guess it, I, it was better off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think you're remembering it in a happy drunk, though. Yeah. And I don't think that's what this song is going for. No, no, no. No, because he made his mother cry, and that was the whole thing. But I kind of like, you know, that and was please, kind of... everyone understand, we're not making light of alcoholism. If no. you've got a problem, please go seek help. Yes. This song is from the perspective of a seven-year-old boy to his alcoholic father. So, firmly in the bummer camp here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this was not this was not a like I'm looking back with an endearing that 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 time that dad had too much eggnog. You know, he's falling down under the tree. He's making mom cry. I mean, this one definitely hits the high notes in terms of depressing. Like, I don't know why you would write this song, though. Like, this is not. Yeah. You know, I just. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. So there are two versions of this song. The one that we just played is from the 1975 album Rocky Mountain Christmas by John Denver. Okay. The original was written two years earlier. And it was on the 1973 album called Farewell Andromeda, which is a really odd name for John Denver, the country singer. Yeah. But that version features a chorus of singers and actually think it hits the mark of depressing better because it almost felt like a family singing to the father. Yeah. But like an intervention. The, <laughs> yeah, but the very much so. But the one that we played is the more popular version. So you could go find both if you're looking for it. Yeah. Uh, notable covers of this song are ones by the Decemberists and also Alan Jackson, the very famous country star. Sure. Now, going along with what you mentioned a minute ago, according to a Vice article, I'm going to quote it here, nobody knows why he stuck such a depressing song in an otherwise nauseatingly family-friendly album. Yeah, I mean, he, he had some demons, you know, so, I mean, he was... Uh, um a pretty famous alcoholic himself, wasn't he? I don't know. I don't, I don't want to besmirch the name of John Denver. Uh, yeah, I'm unf- pretty sure in an unfair was. way if I'm wrong. Yeah, and it's not by no means. I, I think he was pretty out in the open about it, but I think he maybe had some demons. So that's maybe why you're seeing that. And you know, that's what it is. I mean, I guess like, you know, I, I'm sure I have some. I had some rough Christmases memories. I'm, I'm sure if I think about it. But to your point, I'm you know, uh, I'm very aware of how fortunate I am, and that most of my Christmas memories are very positive. But maybe some. Uh, John D's were, were not so much. <laughs> Maybe not. I'm going to paint with a broad brush here, but a lot of country music seems to feel that way to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it is like, it, it kind of wallows in that. This is, you know, I'm telling a sad tale, which I guess, you know, that is, that's part of the genre is the tale the, the telling the sad tale. It's, it wouldn't, it, it, otherwise it would be pop music. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think there could be a catharsis about this, a feeling of you, 
are not alone if you're bummed out at Christmas or you have less than ideal circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So that's my guess on that. Anything else you want to say about this John Denver track before we move on? No, I think this is, I mean, I think you picked a very good appetizer to bring us in kind of gently. And um, I think the ride gets a a little bit weird from here. So that was like, that was basically like, if you were sitting down and this was a meal, that what you just had, there's the closest thing to a cracker you're going to get. It's going to get very strange from this point on. Yeah, look out for the soup course on this one. Yeah. All right. The next song today is called... Who said Santa doesn't cry on Christmas Eve by Romeo's Fault? All right, Jay, that was Who Said Santa Doesn't Cry on Christmas Eve by Romeo's Fault. Now, the music that we just heard does not do the video justice. So if you're really looking to be bummed out, go to the show notes and watch the video because it's full of imagery of uh, Ugandan refugees and people in really dire straits. Absolutely depressing. It's like a three-minute Sarah McLaughlin commercial. Absolutely rough to watch. Uh, yeah. This is from a 2015 album, Who Said Santa Doesn't Cry on Christmas Eve? So, I guess, self-titled album there. Um, it features the Hope for Africa's Children Choir. It was a collaboration between the band Romeo's Fault and the Children of Uganda. Now, I'll be honest with you, Jay. I picked the song because of the title. You know, you don't hear a lot about Santa and crying, and the title really stuck out to me when I was doing my research. What did you think of the song? I actually, I really like the song. I don't, I, it didn't feel like a Christmas song to me at all, other than, you know, the, the aspects of the lyrics, obviously that reference Christmas, but like the music in the, it just, there was nothing Christmassy about it. I felt, but I, I actually really liked the song. The video was bizarre. This, for this episode, this is, if you watch one, you know, we hope you go out and, 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 and on YouTube and check out all these artists, but if you absolutely positively have to watch one, this, this is it. The video is bizarre. As Scott said, there's like imagery of Ugandan and refugees interwoven with like, um, what I assume are like Americans going yeah. through stores on black Friday and like grabbing TVs and stuff like that. So yeah, obviously somebody, you know, the, the video was obviously like, you know, a liberal, a freshman liberal arts college students, like freshman video. (laughs) Yeah. It's all, it's all this like American consumerism excess juxtaposed with people who have almost literally nothing in their lives. It's on the nose. Yeah. yeah, But it's it's very bizarre. It's definitely worth watching. I really like the song, Scott. I don't think it was a Christmas song, but I I think these guys, Romeo's fault. I mean, it like, it got me moving. It'd be, I throw it on my running playlist. Yep. (laughs) The music itself was pretty good. I liked that. Yeah. 
There isn't a whole lot of information out there on the band Romeo's Fault or anything else, so this one's a little bit of a shorter discussion on that. Are you ready to move on? Yeah, I am. Okay. Witty name for the band, too. Yeah. The third song today is The Little Boy That Santa Claus Forgot, performed by Nat King Cole. He's the little boy that Santa Claus forgot And goodness knows he didn't want a lot He sent a note to Santa for some soldiers and a drum It broke his little heart when he found Santa hadn't come In the street he envies all those lucky boys Then wanders home to last year's broken toys I'm so sorry for that laddie He hasn't got a daddy The little boy that Santa Claus forgot All right That was The Little Boy That Santa Claus Forgot, as performed by Nat King Cole. Now, Jay, normally we showcase the most original version that we can find of these. This was by Nat King Cole. The earliest recording of this I could find was by a performer named Vera Lynn in the 30s. Interesting note on this one. It was used in the beginning of the movie Pink Floyd's The Wall. Does anybody here remember Vera Lynn? No, we don't. <laughs> That's um, Pink Floyd. But there's, there's a reason I picked this particular version. This was the B-side of the 1956 single, The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole, which is one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time. Right. And as I mentioned on earlier episodes, I have a soft spot for B-sides because they mostly go forgotten. Well, my mind is blown. I, 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 my mind is totally blown. The Vera Lynn reference. I absolutely love Pink Floyd and you know, that, that song is like just, just stamped and imprinted in my memory. So she recently died actually just uh, earlier this year. Oh, she really? was very, but she was Vera Lynn. I know I'm not going to get this perfect. So our listeners have to you know check this out online. She, she was during the, the war. She was famous for, um, singing and kind of uplift. Like she, she, she was a, um, like a Bob Hope sort of type of personality for the British citizens that she, you know, she, you know, during the, the blitz, uh, not the blitzkrieg, the uh, battle over Britain, I guess would be. So, um, anyway, that's it. Pink Floyd saying about her. And I was a kid growing up. I loved Pink Floyd and I had no idea who Vera Lynn was all those times I listened to Floyd, but eventually I've come to figure it out. So that's a cool, cool hook. This song, Firmly a bummer. Yeah, totally a bummer. I just, you know, I like Nat King Cole, but this one was just no good. I mean, there's a lyric in here that says something to the effect of, I'm sorry for you, laddie, because you ain't got no daddy or something like that. Yeah, at the end of the song, we find out the boy has no father. Yeah, spoiler alert. (laughs) I'm going to propose another reason that people like these sad songs, and I don't have a name for it. So I'm sure our myriad of uh, professional psychologist listeners Uh, know what this would be called, but sometimes you enjoy something because you realize somebody has it worse than you. Mm, Yeah. And I don't know what that word would be, what that's called, but I might see that when it play in this song. Yeah. 
you mentioned while we were listening to this that you really became aware of your privilege. Yes. And, and as did I in here, like we don't relate to a lot of these songs and we're very, we're very aware of that as this is going. Yeah. We're probably very blessed that we don't relate to the circumstances of these tracks today. But of course, sadly, there are people that probably do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this is definitely was very aware of that this week. And this, this song, I mean, Nack and Cole kind of seems like whatever, I don't know what that, what that condition is that you described, but it, it's ugly and not a good look, Nat. Not a good to look. To find Nat. out that it was on the B side of of arguably his most famous song ever was just strange. Like, why would yeah. you pick this one? Not a good choice. Not a good look for Nat King Cole. I did not yeah. like this song. You can check out the multiple versions, see what you think. Uh, that, that's why we picked this one. And also, the Nat King Cole, the audio quality is much higher than the original Vera Lynn recording, which was much, much older. Yeah, that would fit with my uh, with my narrative, I think. All right. Now, uh, Jay, you don't know this, but I was just on the Christmas Clatter podcast recently. Okay. Representing us and doing... Uh, Motown Christmas songs. Okay. Oh, I like that. Yeah. It really got my pump primed for Motown Christmas music and soul. So the next song we have here is Christmas Just Ain't Christmas Without the One You Love by the OJs. Are you ready? Yeah. Christmas just ain't Christmas without the one you love. New Year's just ain't New Year's without the one you love. All right, Jay, that was Christmas Just Ain't Christmas Without the One You Love by the OJs. And I've got a, a big revelation on this song in a minute, but first, why don't you tell me what you thought of it? I loved it. I think this is a great tune. This is definitely going into my rotation. I don't think I had heard this before we did this episode, but I'll, I'll definitely add it. I like Motown a lot. You, you might not know this, that can be seeing as how I'm a, a white kid from the suburbs of Connecticut, but my father was really into Motown and he, so I listened to a lot of Motown growing up. So this is really catchy. Four Tops, one that were, you know, whoever the living members were back in the 80s were when the first concerts I ever saw. Um, so love, definitely love this version. And I, I think it, you know, this hits the nose of it's a sad song, but it's a still a Christmas song. Well done. OJ. Yeah. This song is great. And the revelation I have on this, the reason I picked this song, because it is, it is admittedly very obscure is the OJs are the band that had the 1973 billboard number one hit love train here. I got a clip. Okay, everybody knows Love Train, or at least I think they do. Maybe I'm wrong. Yes. So when I saw that, I just knew we had to include this in here today. I love bringing in artists that we know 
something from them, but we absolutely do not know the song that we're featuring. And Christmas Just Ain't Christmas Without the One You Love really fits right into that. This was a single released by the OJs on November 30th, 1973. And if you're not into the older Motown sound, there is a fantastic modern version cover of this by Idina Menzel. Really? Oh, she's the Frozen um, voice of Frozen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Phenomenal singer, amazing voice. Now, I didn't pick that song. I like that song, that that cover of this song better, but I try to stick to the originals when we pick the songs for this. So that's why I went with the OJs. Give credit where it's due, if that makes sense. Yeah, that was great. Great track. Definitely going in my rotation. Now, I was uh, positing to you during that song that you might even see this from a different perspective. And instead of being sad, you could, it says Christmas just ain't Christmas without the one you love. Now, yeah, man, glasses half empty, glasses half full. You could take that from the perspective of I now have the one I love and I'm realizing how much better Christmas is now that I have that. I don't think that's actually where they were going with the song, but if you wanted to take it from that point of view, I think you could. Yeah, and this song has the antidote to all sadness, no matter what the lyrics are, which is you can't listen to this song and not start shuffling your feet and moving your arms and snapping your fingers. And as long as you're doing that, it's all good. We should continue this uh, 70s train here with another song called What Do the Lonely Do at Christmas by a band called The Emotions. Here we go. the season to be jolly but how can I be when I have nobody? The Utah Carol doesn't make it better Knowing that we won't be together A silent All right, Jay, that was What Do the Lonely Do at Christmas by The Emotions. What do you think? I think if the lonely listen to this song at Christmas, it's not going to end well for them. And this would not be, this was if if uh, Christmas just uh, ain't Christmas without the one you love by the OJs, if that was the antidote sad song for Christmas, this is the opposite of, what, of whatever that is. I guess that would be the poison, but... <laughs> Yeah. This was recorded by the R&B group The Emotions, released in 1973 on Stax Records. Yeah. This single peaked at number two on the Billboard R&B Hip Hop Airplay Recurrence Chart in 2006. Help me unpack that. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure either. I know, uh, so Stax Records was a major, I, I haven't had a chance to look it up, but they, that was a pretty big Motown label. So I think... <sighs> Recurrence. I have no idea what that would mean. Now you're you're making my uh my beach ball yeah. spin. So somebody can some someone can somebody can write in and let us know how we get this wrong. I'm going to make a guess that the hip hop airplay recurrence chart from 2006 has something to do with looking backward at popular music. Yeah, that's all I can guess. So, because why would this peak at number two in 2006? 
when it was written in or released in in 1973. That seems like an, an industry niche kind of uh, of of scale or chart, I should say. This song has been covered by Patti LaBelle on her 2007 album Miss Patty's Christmas, and that version is really really good. And also somebody named Anthony Hamilton on his 2014 album Home for the Holidays. And that one I'm not familiar with. Yeah, I mean, to be, I did not like this. I have not heard the Patti LaBelle version. I can almost, you know, guess that I would like it very much knowing how much I like Patti LaBelle. But this was not a good cut. This was, I, this was a little bit too, a little too sad, a little too slow. Yeah. If Patti LaBelle could sing the instructions on the back of a shampoo bottle and I'd probably enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, the emotions didn't quite do it for me. Yeah, the lead singer here was just not like it was almost it was a little it was a little grating. I would call this song forgettable. It just felt like any old other song from the 70s. Yeah. All right. The next song, I'm going to call this one the strangest song in our playlist today. This is Christmas Eve Can Kill You by the Everly Brothers. I stuff my hands down deep inside the coat. I think of years ago and have remembered Christmas trees and faces that still warm me with their glow. The cold and All right, Jay, that was the regrettable Christmas Eve Can Kill You by the Everly Brothers. What did you think? So this easily, hands down, by like 10 car lengths, wins the song title of the of the season for best uh, best song title we've had so far. And awesome. Um, but the song, you know, not the Everly Brothers typical fare, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Just a little, little too singer-songwriter depressing for me. I'm glad you said that. I've got a clip here of a much more popular Everly Brothers song called Kathy's Clown. So when I think of the Everly Brothers, which my dad absolutely loved growing up, we listened to all the time songs like Kathy's Clown, this one, or uh, Dream. That's what I think of. I don't think of Christmas Eve can kill you. So I don't know what was going on in the 70s with the Everly Brothers that they made such a large leap from the stuff they were popular for to stuff like this. Yeah. This is from the 1972 album called Stories We Can Tell. Yeah, it definitely has a little bit of a... Um the kind of teen emo, uh, like singing about that sort of relationship sadness stuff to it, which I guess is not the, the worst in the world, but it definitely I mean, hits the nose in terms of depressing Christmas. Yeah, this song is about a hitchhiker trying to get home for Christmas and why people won't stop for him. But then goes on to say that if he was doing it, he probably wouldn't stop for a hitchhiker either. It was just, 
God. And um, I'm going to call it, Jay, this song sucks. Yeah. Please pick me up so I can torture and dismember you and your loved ones. <laughs> what movie was that? Oh, no, yeah. That was, that, was that, was, that was from a Letterman bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So that was, that was the very regrettable Christmas Eve Can Kill You. Of course, we picked that one primarily because of the title. You don't hear Kill You in a Christmas song title very often. Yeah, no, winner. <laughs> uh, this is also not surprising, but you and I are not professional music critics. So a lot of what we do is we find a theme and then we go searching around for it. So if you do searches for depressing Christmas songs, there is a lot of stuff out there, a lot of playlists available. This song was on most of the ones I found. So... We had to include it. Yeah. You know, remember, we don't include songs because we like them. We include them because they're relevant to the topic at hand. And I think this one is, even though I just don't like this song. Yeah, I think we'd have our, our Christmas podcast licenses revoked if you didn't pick this one for given the given this episode subject. <laughs> yeah. The subject matter today is is mostly depressing and downbeat. So I wanna bring it up a, a little notch here, give give our listeners a little bit of a of a breath of fresh air. This is Somebody Stole My Santa Claus Suit by Dan Hicks and his hot licks. Somebody stole my Santa Claus suit. Somebody ripped off my beard, hat, and boots. Some little fatso is all dressed in red. Even had the gall to swipe the pillow off my bed. Now what my kids gonna do think? If Santa's a no-show, well, boy, they'll raise the stakes. Check the halls and what the hell? Yeah, I still got my jingle bell. So, sucker, you can keep the suit. Cause frankly, I don't give a All right, Jay, that was Somebody Stole My Santa Claus Suit by Dan Hicks and His Hot Licks. Now, I think this surprised you that this song sounds like it's from the 50s, maybe the 60s. This is from the 1987 album Mistletoe Jam. This is from 1987, the same year that the album A Very Special Christmas was released. That really shocked me here. Yeah, that, that, that absolutely floored me. This sounded like maybe, you know, 50s or 60s, but this sounded super, super, super old. And, you know, the, uh, who this guy reminded me of, this voice sounds a lot like uh, Burl Ives. Oh, yeah, he kind of does. Yeah. This is based on a 1923 song called Somebody Stole My Gal. <laughs> and it's pretty, it's pretty close yeah. uh, in, in, in the music. Uh, Dan Hicks was an American songwriter and singer. Uh, he just died recently. I have a Wikipedia quote about him. Often performing under the influence of alcohol, opioids, and cocaine, his reputation was sullied by a series of belligerent solo concerts. That guy, this guy sounds awesome. That, that's sad <laughs> right in itself. cocaine, and opioids, <laughs> and belligerent concerts. I gotta find out more about this guy. Yes, and Jay is saying that in jest. We obviously don't condone any of that. True. And if you if you need help, make sure you seek help. Cautionary tale, kids. Yeah, this is a weird song. It's about somebody stealing his Santa Claus suit, which in itself, you know, it's theft. It's sad, but it had kind of a, like a, a faster beat to it, and it was almost a little bit funny. And I don't mean to treat light of theft. You know, I wouldn't want anything stolen from me at Christmas, but I just, I thought this song was a little 
funnier than the others. Yeah, it's good, lighthearted. I mean, again, I think if you're going to have a sad Christmas song, I mean, given it's sort of, I would call it like a Weird Al kind of Bob Rivers uh, type of um, jab to it, certainly fits the holiday a little bit better than um, some of our other choices this week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Considering all the other really nasty things that have happened to people in other songs on our playlist today, having your suit and beard stolen is probably one of the better things yeah. that could happen to you in relative terms. As opposed to, say, like dying in Santa Claus's lap, yeah, you know, for, exactly. for example. Yeah, just, just as an example. <laughs> Hypothetically right? speaking. Like, yeah. If the worst thing that happened to you on this playlist is your suit got stolen, you probably are doing better than everyone else. Right. All right. The next song today is called Did I Make You Cry on Christmas? by Sufjan Stevens. Are you ready? Yeah, bring it. All right. This time of year, you always disappear. You tell me not to call, you tell me not to call. And when the door is closed, you're wearing different clothes or hiding in the paper, pretending not to hear. Jay, that was, did I make you cry on Christmas? And in parentheses, it's, well, good, you deserved it, uh, by Sufjan Stevens. Let's address the elephant in the room here. His name is pronounced Sufjan or Sufjan, S-O-O-F-Y-A-H-N. That would be the phonetic pronunciation. It is not Sufjan or anything like that. And I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to a really funny article called uh, So You Pronounce Sufjan Stevens Wrong in a Record Store, Here's How to Leave Town and Start a New Life. This artist is extremely popular, and I have absolutely no idea why. Again, Adam from the Merry Britsmas podcast, friend of the show, just raved about this song and how great it was. I don't know, Adam. It doesn't do it for me. I, I just don't get it. So maybe people can write in and tell us why they like this artist so much. I don't know. I think he's just okay. What did you think? I like the song and it, you know, it's funny because I had not heard of this artist before and like this now I imagine like this is especially because I read the, the very high fidelity esque uh, blog article that you, you, you're going to put in the show notes, but like this is probably on John Cusack's Christmas Christmas playlist, you know, very obscure record story kind of sound. So I, I liked it. And you know, the, when Scott sent me the songs for this episode, uh, our final playlist. And I went out and looked at this. I saw, did I make you cry on Christmas? Okay. You know, seems sort of benign. And then the parenthetical, which is uh, something, well, you deserved it to that, except to that effect that gave me a reaction. So I thought it was cool. And it's, you know, this does kind of hit the nose of what I think if there is a right formula for a sad Christmas song, it, it's sad, but it also kind of, um, you know, kind of, it doesn't take itself too seriously, I guess. I, I, I liked it. 
Yeah, maybe he's popular because he is very modern. Yeah, and he's this. This sounds a lot like folk style music to me. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's why people like it. I'm not really sure. This song, uh, I have a couple quotes on it. This song confronts how Christmas can be a conflicting or even depressing time period, despite all the holiday cheer that surrounds it. I think that's a very real emotion for people. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, not me, but I can absolutely see how this would be the case. And here's a quote that I found from somebody on the Sufjan Christmas blog, which exists. Surprise. Did I make you cry is cathartic because it helped me come to the realization that not everyone is happy during Christmas time and that I don't need to feel guilty for not enjoying my time with my extended family. So again, I can't relate, but that sounds completely understandable to me. Yeah. There's even, I think there's also, there's sort of a, um, there's a social contrarian element too, right? In any society who doesn't want to take part in the reindeer games, you know, that everybody else is taking part in. So they're going to, you know, this kind of gives them, this is their song, you know, this, this sort of uh, middle finger back at the holiday, if you will. I can kind of see this song fitting in, in a period in your life, let's call it your late twenties when I'm going to make some assumptions here, but your friends are starting to get married. You're not married. You've got a job and you're still a pretty low level employee and you're trying to work your way up and you're working tons of hours and not getting paid what you feel like you're worth. And your own family is not as relevant a part of your life as it used to be. I could see all those coming together to make these feelings of, no, I'm not happy at Christmas. Right. Right. So the camaraderie or the inclusiveness of Listening to this song and knowing that other people are feeling the same thing as you, I can understand why people would like this song. Yeah, agreed. All right. So, song number nine today, Christmas Will Break Your Heart by LCD Sound System. Christmas will crush your soul Like that laid-back rock and roll But your body's getting old Christmas Will Break Your Heart by LCD Sound System. Now, I don't have a lot of information on LCD Sound System, but I feel like they have a, a strong underground following. What did you find on this, Jay? Yeah, they, they have, they're sort of a, um, uh, I, I think came to fame in the early 2000s, and they have that kind of post-grunge post emo I, I think of it as kind of like the Radiohead sound. Once again, reminding our listeners that Scott and I are not music critics, but that's kind of like in my mind what I think. And they have a real cult following, um, but uh, I did not know they had any Christmas music. And this is 
you know, again, this is that very, that kind of think of that early 2000s kind of mushy, you know, it doesn't just doesn't have enough spine for me. The lead singer's voice sounded a lot like the band Cake to me. Yeah. And I have a couple notes on this. It was hard to find much. This was another track that the title, Christmas Will Break Your Heart, really stood out when I found it. And uh, the notes are, uh, the band LCD Sound System retired in 2011, but came together to release this song in 2015. And I, from what I gather, people were very excited about this. At, at least that underground group of people who really like this band. Uh, the band frontman, his name is James Murphy, and he called Christmas Will Break Your Heart a, quote, depressing Christmas song, which he had been singing to himself for years prior to its recording. Yeah, you know, the LCD sound system's not squarely in my rotation, but I, I know they're known for some pretty some pretty decent, upbeat music, and this song is not among those, those tracks, that's for sure. <laughs> no. All right, anything else you want to say about this one? I know this is a very brief uh, overview of the song because the information on it is so limited. Yeah, no, I wasn't, wasn't crazy about this one, but um, definitely not. I'm not going to throw this one in the rotation. No, uh, I think it's fair to say that most of these do not fit that standard yardstick that we normally use of playing at a Christmas party. No, no. <laughs> okay, Jay, we have come to the end. And if, you know, we should probably dispense with calling certain songs on our playlist, regular ones and extra ones, bonus tracks. I, I think that started because we originally promised five songs and then yes. we really just started enjoying putting more in. Well, We've pushed the edge of the envelope. Yeah, let, let's stop doing that. But... If any song is a penalty song today, it's this next one. Oh, God. This, yeah. This is I Want to Come Home for Christmas by Marvin Gaye. All right, Jay, that was the biggest bummer today. That was I Want to Come Home for Christmas by Marvin Gaye. And I know that one was new. I threw this one in at the last yeah. minute because I found it while I was getting the show notes ready. What did you think? Uh, it just kind of left me feeling like um, not good. Like yeah, I curl up and cry. It's a song about being a POW at Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, really sad, sad subject matter for sure. No no, no disrespect to any of our any, any POWs, but that's just a... It's a tough subject for Christmas. No, in fact, it's not disrespect at all. I think it's actually giving even more respect to considering how yeah. awful it must be. This was written in 1972 by Marvin Gaye as a tribute to troops in Vietnam. Yeah. But it wasn't released until 1990 on the album The Marvin Gaye Collection. So this thing sat for 18 years unreleased. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I can't, I don't, I don't want to speculate as to why that is, but I will anyway. I mean, it's, it was not very popular war, obviously at the time it took America some years to heal before, I guess, you know, that were, they were, people were willing to kind of celebrate that. So maybe it just wasn't the right song for the time or, you know, I can't, I don't know, but good for him for doing it though. Yeah. Um, and I have in my notes here that, so this, re- this was released in 1990 during the 1990 Iraq war. This song was played on R and B stations at Christmas time. Oh, there you go. So it got its due and I, guess I'm glad for that. And if this brings comfort to anybody, I don't know how it would. (laughs) If so, I'm glad it exists, but I'm almost regretting using this one as our last song today because it, it really leaves you on a, on a real sad bummer note. Yeah, perhaps, but you know, I think that other, uh, otherwise I think it also, I think it sums up this week's, this week's genre or subgenre pretty well, Scott, and that this is, you know, these songs are about Christmas, but I'm not sure that they, they definitely don't all leave you feeling good. No, and they weren't supposed to. So I guess we did our job. Yeah. I say mission accomplished. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm glad this one is behind us. Yeah. We'll drag out the jingle jank mission accomplished banner. And I think, <laughs> I think we got this yeah. one. Yeah. Um, I, I promise our listeners in, in the coming weeks, we'll do something um, that isn't such a, a friggin' bummer. Good, good, good. I agree. Yeah. We, get to, we have to turn around and pay back for this one now. We have to. We, we need to. We need a salve or, or, or whatever to, to cleanse us from this this sad songs week. Yeah, you may not be listening to this uh, when it's released, but our next show is going to be about spooky Christmas songs because it'll be released right before Halloween. So, I'm not sure it's going to be super upbeat, but that one should just be weird and fun yeah. instead of just so down like i'm just bummed right now i need some of homer's homemade prozac here with the ice cream nice yeah change of pace marge this is so depressing my only hope is this homemade prozac Hmm. needs more ice cream we've come to the point of the show where we each decide what our standout track of the week is and as always i let you go first what was your standout track this week i'm gonna go with christmas just ain't christmas without the one you love by the ojs Nice. Yeah, definitely going into my rotation. I'm going to go with Somebody Stole My Santa Claus Suit by Dan Hicks and His Hot Licks. Nice. (laughs) And I'll be honest, I'm mostly picking that one because it was probably the most upbeat of all these depressing songs. Yeah, definitely funny. Anything else you want to say about this? Or can we just, uh, you know, put the check mark in the old spreadsheet next to this topic and move on with our podcasting lives. Yeah, Scott, I feel like we had to do this one. I'm glad that we got the sad songs out of the way. I think we, if this is your thing, if you like sad songs at Christmas, then I think we just gave you nine or 10 good choices that you can throw into your rotation for sure. Um, So I'm glad that we're going to put this one in the rear view mirror and move on now to something a little bit more uplifting. Yes. Uh, Heading off for destinations unknown, but it'll probably be uh, a much happier place. I think this is probably one of the strongest episodes where we can ask for listener feedback and say, hey, if you like sad, depressing Christmas songs, let us know why. Tell us where we missed here because we are obviously, um, you know, very privileged people who haven't dealt with a lot of this kind of difficult stuff in our lives and we don't get it. So I'd I'd love to hear it. If you can explain why you like these, there's no judgment on there. I just want to know. Yeah. Lay it on us, please. 
So I think that's all I have to say about this and uh, looking forward to moving on. Yeah, same, same. I think I'm glad I'm glad we got this one out of our system. Yep. So thanks for joining us today. Please visit us at jinglejank.com to find out how to get in touch with us and get the links to all of our socials. And as we promised at the start of the show, Merry Christmas, everybody. Feliz Navidad. All music used in this episode is property of its respective copyright owner, and no infringement is intended. These clips were played under the expectation of fair use for purposes of education or commentary. You can find links to all the songs we played in the show notes. Please don't sue us. We don't make any money from this.